Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Well, I uh, clearly did not get the memo about the seating arrangements. I'll do better next time. If that's the worst of my failures this morning, life is going to be good. It's a joy to be here with you guys. And uh, my name's Dave. I will do my best to, to get to know your names through time. I, I thought I'd just maybe adopt Greg's philosophy and just call everybody George. That would save me a lot of trouble if that's all right with you all. Uh, it's not okay with Nora. Nora makes sure to remind him, my name is Nora. So if you see my little four-year-old around here, her name is Nora. And uh, my wife, Brittany, is uh, back uh, teaching Sunday school this morning. But we want to first just thank you for, for your generosity and for your steadfast prayers over these past few months. And, and it's just been a lot of like uncertainty for us, just a, a bunch of waves and a, a bunch of stuff in life. And uh, we've got emails and we got text messages and, and just such encouragement from you. We, we felt like you were just urging us forward and on into what we believe the will of the God is for us and for us then as a family. We have a statement some people put on shirts and ties and coats for business. Uh, I'd like to, if it's okay for you this morning, just take my coat off. Uh, and that is simple here too. This, this shirt says... Uh, the. Family uh, is more than blood, and, and that's important to me here as it has been throughout my life, that the family of God goes deeper than the blood that, that runs through our generational veins, but the blood of Christ that makes us part of his family. And so I feel like I am connected to you all without knowing you through Christ and in this place as, as your brother, as someone that is in this journey, part of the family together. We grew up singing a song in the church that said, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And I hope you hear our heart this morning. We are so glad that we are part of the family of God. And we look forward to what the Lord is gonna continue to do uh, through the ministry of Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, uh, just in us surrendering our life to Jesus. It's a privilege to get the opportunity to serve alongside uh, your pastors here, Ben and Justin, I mean, I can understand how you'd say, what do we need this guy for? That's a true statement, all right? I'm not sure what the answer to that is yet other than the Lord seemed to be directing some things. So if it's okay, we'll figure it out together. But, but they're just, man, they're, they're just incredible. I know I don't need to tell you that, but let me remind you, man, they're special, special people in this place serving the Lord. It's an honor to just be a part of that and to be able to bring the word to you today from Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to be in verses 6 through 15 today. So if you have your Bibles, your phones, your tablets, if, if you would get there, we'll be there in a few moments. And if you're tuning in online this morning, uh, we just want to say welcome. We're glad that you're, you're a part of our family this morning. We believe that the Holy Spirit is not bound by brick and mortar and walls, but that he speaks to us in our comings and our going and our living rooms and in our cars and through throughout our lives, so we believe that, that he will transform all of us that hear his word today into the image of Jesus. 
Today we're going to look just a little bit about some of the oppositions, I believe, to this life in Christ. So over the last two weeks, Justin laid out what it is like to have victory in this life. And if you weren't here last week or the week prior, please go uh, to the NAPNAS YouTube page or Facebook and watch or listen to those sermons or pull up the podcast. They were excellent about the victory that we have, not in the things of this world or within ourselves, but our victory that comes only in Jesus. The hymn writer had it right, didn't he? Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And so today we're going to look at what kind of can happen though when we have that victory and then we, we go out into the, the ways of life. We go into work or the home or we have these things that surround us that might be opponents to that. I grew up loving the game of basketball. Uh, you'll hear me often say I wanted to truly be like Mike. The problem was I did not have the genetic makeup to be like Mike for many, many reasons. But at eight years old, who cares, right? Like, I mean, I'd stick the tongue out and, and I'd play ball in the, the blacktop on the, the driveway. And for those moments, man, I could soar like Mike. And so I went to all the basketball camps I could go to. I played as, as much as I could. And I tried to, to learn the game and, and get better at this. We played in YMCA leagues right over here in Defiance, Ohio. So, so I grew up in Paulding County. Uh, that's where I was born and raised. And defiance was like, man, that was just where we went for things. So it's, it's kind of fun now to, to come back here and, and go to a movie theater that we went to 20 years ago. It's, it's wild. Played YMCA leagues, and I learned all the fundamentals from some wonderful teachers of the game of basketball. One of the most importance I learned was, was the game of defense. And, and you had this wide defensive stance that was on the balls of your feet. And you got those arms out wide, made yourself look bigger than life. And you learned how to slide with people, how to keep your eyes between the ball and your defender and where it was so that you could keep them from, from getting to the lane and getting to the basket. And I remember in eighth grade, we were a terrible basketball team in seventh and eighth grade. I won one game in my whole junior high career. And, and, and this morning, I'll tell you one that we didn't win and should have won, but we were up by one point. There were just a few seconds left, and they were inbounding the ball, and we were ready, and, and we were out. And then out of nowhere, across the other side of the court, there was this kid, this dude that got down on all fours and started going, Ooh. I'm realizing I'm looking at the camera here. And he just starts barking like a dog. I apologize to you online. That's a shot you should not have to remember. So we're all hearing this and we're, I mean, honestly, we're going, what is wrong with this kid? Is, I mean, is something happening? And then before you know it, you know the story. What happens? They inbound the ball. I mean, dead, dead, right on the block. Layup. They win by one. We were distracted. Like in that one moment, we forgot all of the fundamentals we had learned since we were five. A moment of weakness. As I looked up the barking dog on the internet this week, one called it the greatest trick play in basketball. I didn't even know that was a thing. The goal was simple though, wasn't it? To, to distract and, and win the game. All I needed, all our team needed to really remember were the basic fundamentals. And all the years of teaching, if we just would have been disciplined and remembered those, that game was over. 
You know, the reality is in the Christian life, we face opposition too, don't we? And how easy is it for us to get distracted? You know, I grew up in the church, and I'm so thankful for that. I had a firm foundation that my parents not just taught me, but lived out in their faith every single day. And I can tell you, it's still, even through that, it can be really easy to get distracted and real easy to get lured away by, by people, by culture, by even sometimes the ideas of both religion and outside religions and philosophies and traditions. We have all these angles that we face opposition in one enemy. The, the word tells us that one enemy is one that desires to, to do these things, to steal, to kill, and to destroy, right? That's John 10.10. 10. That's the words of Jesus, not me. And he will use a multitude of tactics. The Christians of Colossae, the, the people that we've been learning about are currently or will face for certainty opposition in this victorious life that they have found in Jesus Christ alone. And Paul's encouragement then to them is simply this, and I invite you to read with me from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing then with thankfulness. In this text, we see Paul was essentially saying, remember, remember what you were taught. The, the word used there is the word receive, now, for us, when, when we hear receive in the modern church or language today, often that language would refer to us receiving Jesus as our Savior, right? You've heard that, right? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And so when we see language like this, that's where our mind or my mind would often go. But for the church in Colossae, that word for them would have not just meant the receiving of Jesus as Lord and Savior, but the transmission of everything they had been taught up to this point. Everything they had learned about the life and the ways of Jesus. It meant the learning of a tradition from someone that would have come alongside of them. There's no doubt Paul was definitely referring, if we would remember back to Colossians chapter 1 and, and verse 5, we see where this came from. Paul was giving thanks for, in verse 5 it says, the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned. It was transmitted. It was given to you from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. 
Paul's reminding these people that in this life of opposition to take hold of the basic fundamentals that you have received that were transferred to you in Christ and it will then withstand any opposition. We find these basic fundamentals. In basketball on offense, I remember the basic fundamentals taught at a young age was the triple threat. Right When you've got the ball, you have the ability to either drive to the basket, to pass, or shoot. There's these basic fundamentals. And the first three of these that we're going to walk through a little bit today, we see these that in the original language, they were in what was known as the passive voice in the Greek. Now, it may not mean a lot to you, but what it will tell us if we'll listen is the passive voice tells the reader that divine action is necessary. Divine action is going to be necessary in these first three. So in other words, you don't do these things. Can we all share that together for a moment? This isn't something you're doing. It is something that has already been done and acted upon you to be carried out. If it's based on you, he'll tell us over and over again it always leads to destruction. He tells the Romans in chapter 3, verse 10, that there's no one on their own merit is righteous. And then he reiterates it. Like if it wasn't enough, he says, not even one. None. These first three fundamentals are the passive voices telling us divine action, the work of God in Christ is necessary in these. And so the basic fundamentals always begin with him. Always. Always begin with God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so the first word that we see here used is the word rooted. Now that's a gardening word or a horticulture horticulture word. Uh, I will never pretend to tell you I know anything about gardening. Uh, Absolutely, I know nothing about gardening, and anything I've tried to grow usually dies, all right? Uh, It's just the reality of Brittany and I trying to to grow things and and steward the, the earth that God's given us, and it usually just ends out badly. So I don't know a whole lot about gardening, but I am learning a lot about four-year-olds, some of y'all got four-year-olds. Like, this is our first, um, man, it's a wild ride. So I, I don't know a lot about gardening, but I'm learning a lot about four-year-olds. And I promise there's a point here. Uh, in my pocket, I have a bag here. Um, and this is a bag of Nora's hair. This is my little girl, four-year-old. This is a bag of Nora's hair. This hair in this bag, I know, because it's been in here, is no longer growing. And if it does, that's really weird, okay? In 10 months, if you come back and say, hey, how's that bag of hair? And I tell you it's gotten bigger, something is really messed up, all right? So, so what I know is this, this hair that was cut off of her head will no longer grow. It's just a keepsake at this point. Now, unfortunately, this keepsake came because it was violently removed by a pair of scissors by the hands of Nora, and so now my daughter, if you look at her closely without a ponytail, has, uh, is it okay for me to say the Joe Dirt style? Some of you remember Joe Dirt. It's a mullet, all right? Nora has a straight up mullet. She cut her bangs. She cut the whole top. And she just, the back is all that's left. 
Brittany didn't know whether to be mad or cry. I think she cried and was perhaps a little upset too, right? But through this process, through, through us going through, we learned that it is the root of that hair that is what is necessary to life. Without it, the separation results in death. It will not continue to grow in this bag. This word rooted is much like that in the sense that it's a source of life. If it's attached to the root, it will continue to grow. Jeremiah 17, 8 in the Old Testament says, They will be like a tree that is planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit because its roots run deep and they provide life. Throughout Colossians, Paul continues to re-emphasize these fundamentals to the Colossians that it's about Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection, and being rooted in that. And remember, because of the tense of this Greek word, is it something you do? No, it's something God does. The great thing about being rooted is that life will come. So Nora's hair, as devastating as it was, and as crazy as it looks, over the last six months, though not much, guess what's happening? You know, that hair's growing. That even though there was destruction and some devastation, when we are rooted, it will continue to produce life. And I know some of y'all in this room, I'm guessing, have had some destruction and devastations and oppositions in your life. I certainly have that feel like they cut you down. But when we are rooted in him, there is life. Amen? Paul's a Get back to the fundamentals. Rooted. In him is the source of life. John 15, 5, Jesus says it similarly, right? I am the vine and you are the, help me, branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And this opposition in life will seek to, to cut us down and try to uproot the fullness of Christ. And Paul says, remember, you are rooted in him. The second thing he uses here is moving from gardening into architecture. Another thing you never want me to do. Please don't ask me to build anything for you. It will not turn out well. It may look good on the surface, but don't trust the integrity of it. He uses an architectural term to, to build up. It's fascinating here to me because this is a term that isn't complete, but one that is in process. It's following a design of the architect or designer, that it is being built up. I didn't realize how frustrating kids' toys can be until I started putting them together. Any of you dads have the responsibility of that, or moms, or grandparents? So Nora got this really cool, like, you know, battery electric car for her birthday last year from the grandparents. And it came in this box, and, and I honestly had just hoped it would come assembled. It did not. And they give you one page of instructions that look like a foreign language. 
So I started to follow the instructions, and then I thought, they don't know what they're talking about. I got this. Don't look at me like I'm the only one that does that, especially you guys in the room that are like, ah, who needs instructions? We'll figure it out. So I started figuring it out, and I'm putting this, this car together. And I got where, where I was complete, and, and it was done, and, and I looked at this with marvel of, look what I did. And then I looked in the box, and I saw excess parts. And I thought, well, maybe they're just not needed, you know, like, who's in addition? So, so then I go back to the instructions. Sure enough, I missed something, a very important something. So this was the part that went between the fender and, and the wheel. It was a metal bracket to where if Nora would have hit something, which happens a lot, uh, it prevented the bumper from getting rammed into the wheel and causing more destruction. And I realized in a moment, in order to get that in, I had to take apart just about everything that I had put together. You see, often that happens in life, doesn't it? That I was tempted and bought into the reality that, that I knew better than the person that designed it. And as dysfunctional as those blasted instructions seemed, they were still the best way. See, the Colossians were being lured into building their lives on Jesus plus other things. Those other things uh, would have been known in this text as the philosophies of men. Now, those philosophies are articulated in chapter 2, verse 8. If you would like to look through those, we find religions, traditions, mysticism, and truths that were not the truth of Christ alone. We would see uh, in this culture that the Jews of Colossae became known as Judaizers. And that was simply, they wanted people to believe that, yes, you can believe in Jesus, but you also then have to practice the traditions and the customs of the Jewish religion in order to really be a follower of Christ. You see, they convinced them they couldn't truly be his unless they followed all of these. And so they sought to make them slaves to air. It was the bright and shiny light that seemed right. And Paul is reminding them who the builder is. Who's the architect? Who has developed the plan to build you up in truth? Not deceive you into thinking it's this plus anything else. So he tells them being built up on anything other than Christ will always lead to destruction. These are the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, right? The wise and the foolish builder. And then Jesus says, hear these words of mine and put them into practice. You see, he reminds them we're built up in Christ alone. It's one of the core fundamentals of our faith. He goes back to Colossians 1, 13 and 14, where he tells them, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. 
Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness, for he is the head over every power and every authority. He is that which is complete. He is that which is full. And we then are being built up into him. He is the one that transforms us into the image of the Son. Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being what? Transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is in spirit. I have a statement I've adopted for most of my life now and it simply is every day that I wake up, I desire to ask the Lord, Lord, would you make me more like you today than I was yesterday? Would you build me up in you? I know I am a work in progress, but I desire to be more like you, the perfect savior, the perfect architect. Would you build me up that I might look and be more like you today than I was yesterday, rooted in, built up in you? You See, this goes contrary to the world we live in, doesn't it? The world we live in tells us you do it your way. And that's just not modern. Frankie said it, right? Those of you that were Sinatra fans, I did it my way, right? Like that's the mantra of human living. You do you. And now Jesus say, no, 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 no. You do Jesus. And that's what will bring you life. That's what will build you up. Man, I feel like I'm running out of time. Built up. And then we are strengthened in. Strengthened in faith in Christ. I have bought into the idea that if I just work hard enough at some things, if I, if I can just have enough strength. You know, we, we use that verse a lot. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength to convince us we can do things we really can't. Like, like the reality was I was never going to play professional basketball. No matter how many times I said I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength, I was never going to do that. You see, that's not really what that verse was about, was it? The reality was that because of Christ, we can endure and go through any opposition and anything else in this life, and he will become our strength if we will let him. Paul's reminding these beautiful people of Colossae that he loves and have had victory in Jesus. Listen, don't be convinced to go at it on your own, for the victory is Jesus. The strength is his And some of us this morning have been taking things in our own hands. I'm tempted to do that. Like like recently, some of y'all have been house hunting before. Brittany and I are hunting for a house. And I've been tempted to like, nope, we got to control this and we got to do this. And we've got to have all these things in order. And there was a moment where I had controlled so much that I forgot the most important thing. And that was to say, Jesus, would you just work in this? Would you take care of the things that we can't and let us rest in you? Where does our strength come from? The word says all of our strength comes from the the Lord. Our strength is in him. The strength to endure death, even death on a cross. The strength that can be buried in a grave and roll a sealed 
stone away. The strength to be risen to life, to allow the prophet to become true. That would say, where, O death, is your sting? Where is your victory? For it has been swallowed up in the victory of Jesus. That's a strength we can't even understand in this life on our own, right? Because the strength is his Jesus says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, Paul says, but I heard him say to me, this is Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you. You hear that this morning? And then the next piece, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in my weakness. That is why for Christ's sake in insults or in hardships or in persecutions or in difficulties. For when I am weak, then in him I am made strong. That's good for skinny guys like me. I need the strength of Jesus in this life and so do you. And then the last piece here. This is the, the one that isn't an action that's been done for, that only Jesus is doing. This shifts to the active voice, which means then we are the ones expressing something. You know what that is? Gratitude. We are overflowing then because of all that we have in him, rooted, built up, strengthened. We then can be overflowing with gratitude. Because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we can always overflow with this regardless of the circumstances. This is why Paul could write to the church in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 18, he says, Rejoice sometimes. Rejoice always. Say it with me. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus. This doesn't mean we're ignoring difficult moments in life or tragedies or things that are, are really challenging for us, but it reminds us that because of all that he's done for us, we can be overflowing with gratitude because I deserve death, but he has given life. I don't know what your circumstances or your situations are this morning, but I can tell you because of his death and resurrection uh, for us and filling us with his Holy Spirit, we can have victory and overflow with gratitude. Many of us just don't practice it, do we? And I think this is one of the fundamentals Paul wanted to remind of the church in Colossae. Don't get distracted by all the have-nots, by all the things you can or, or feel like have been taken from you, or by all your discouragement, but be reminded of who you are in Christ, and you will then overflow in gratitude because you deserve death, but he has made you alive. As we stand this morning, I invite you with me to remember the fundamentals of faith. Would you stand with me? I'm often reminded of the fundamentals in faith from Nora. We've taught her a lot of things about scripture. And one of them is that she doesn't have to be afraid of things because God is with us. And often Brittany hates spiders in our house. And so she'll see a spider and freak out. And Nora will go, it's okay, mama. God is with us.
I don't know what your opposition is or what you're going through today. But in the words of my little four-year-old that has a faith that I do believe could move mountains, it's okay because God is with you. He has rooted you. He is building you up into the image of Jesus. He is your strength when you feel like you can't go on. And we then overflow in gratitude for that. One of the simplest, most fundamental things I learned as a child, and I invite you to sing with me, was this. For Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so clearly. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Now, may you go (laughs) in the wonderful name of Jesus that has rooted you in faith, that builds you up, not in the likeness of you or your neighbor or anybody else other than him. Might you go then in the strength that conquered death and was risen from the grave. And might we, as we leave this place, be vessels that overflow with gratitude of thanksgiving. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.